Coming up on Transformers University, we're heading back to the U.S. to talk some Marvel comics. We have some Predacons, some toy cars, and the return of the Headmasters. All right now on Transformers University. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Transformers University. I am your host, Anthony Brucalli, owner-operator, Madman, behind TFU.info, the website, the tour archive, this podcast, TFU News and Views podcast, and oh, so much more. And I want to welcome you back to Transformers University as we are preparing to talk Marvel Comics, and we're going to talk issues number 37. I'm 37? Through 39. Now, before I begin... Uh, swing on over to our patreon i've uh, been adding some interesting content there so patreon.com slash tfu info as little as one dollar a month gets you in and on our podcast exclusive level which i believe is junior level and up doing a sneak peek this month for the new netflix series transformers bot bots uh the folks at netflix were kind enough to give me a sneak peek at the series. Let me watch the whole thing uh, as of right now, eight episodes through. And after I record this episode, I'm going to record uh, my thoughts so far uh, for my Patreon students. So please do swing by there and check it out. But let's get right into the content. That's what you're here for, right? To learn something about Transformers comics. Uh, and this time uh, we're going to stick back to the U.S. continuity and the U.S. series. We'll talk Marvel U.S. 37 in a row. An issue called Toy Soldiers. Toy Soldiers. Written by Bob Budiansky, pencils by Jose Delvo, pencils by Jose Delvo, inks by Aiken and Garvey, letters by Bill Oakley, who we last saw back in Transformers number 16, Plight of the Bumblebee, colors, of course, by Nell Yamtov, and edits by Don Daly. This one features a cover uh, with the Predacons chasing some toy cars through a mall. And this one is by uh, Jose Delbo with inks by Aiken and Garvey. And we start out in Alabama where the Predacons, uh, they want some bagels. And they're stealing some locks. Uh, the locks is not what you think it is. It's actually liquid oxygen. Uh, we cut over to Atlanta where in the ATL, the Constructicons raid a site for raw materials and escape with it by having Blitzwing carry away long haul in a net and if you've been listening to this show you know there is no stronger material in the world than a cartoon net so in a comic book net uh probably just as strong i guess and uh blitzwing is able to cart away an entire dump truck in one over at the office of iii they're on the case and uh they have the throttle bots in custody back from uh previous issue 36 what Something like 36? And uh, they've been busy taking them apart and putting them back together. We find out that the Throttlebot's brains are the size of a pea. And uh, Barrett wants more time to discuss things with Goldbug and his friends because uh, he believes Goldbug uh, about the idea that there are Autobots and Decepticons and good guys and bad guys. But Barnett's boss, Forsyth, wants a show of force. Uh, so he makes a threat publicly to destroy the Throttlebots if there's another robot attack. So, of course, Decepticon's like, hell yeah, we're going to attack again. And so that forces Forsyth to destroy the uh, Throttlebots. But Barnett has a plan. The next day, the Throttlebots are crushed. But Barnett had taken their pea-sized brains and put one of each into his son's battery-operated toy cars. Let's pause here and just talk a little bit about the Throttlebots. And uh, 
how awful their existence is <laughs> in the Marvel comic. And I got this comment here from David Schulz, the gamer going gray, one of my Patreon students, who says, poor Throttlebots can never catch a break. Um, you know, he's right. Uh, think about it, right? The Throttlebots, uh, they come into the story with the Scraplets uh, arc. They get chewed upon and eaten by Scraplets until they're cured. They then get uh, uh, arrested and sold out by uh, the Robot Master and Donnie Finkelberg. And now, on top of it all, uh, get crushed to death. And in fact, uh, some of the throttle bots are even shown with their damage from previous battles. Uh, thanks to TF Wiki for pointing that out as well. Now, we cut away from, from Barnett and his son's cars to uh, the WitWiki garage, where we find out that Buster's older brother, who has never been mentioned before, not once, his older brother Spike coming home from college uh, i guess this is an attempt to line things up a little bit with uh the show uh because spike did not exist in the comic continuity uh and now three years in we, we get his first mention uh but we go over to iii and the decepticons invade the base looking for the throttlebot corpses uh ratbat and the predacons find the corpses and eventually sniff out the line that the brain modules are not inside of the throttlebot uh, crushed bodies. Barnett, he brought the toys to the Witwickies, and Buster and Barnett go on a road trip to Mount St. Hillary. Predacons, they arrive at the Witwicky garage a little bit later and destroy the whole place. Meanwhile, Barnett and Buster stop at the mall for some more batteries to power the throttlebots. Just then, the Predacons arrive, and chaos ensues. Uh, we get some cool shots, <laughs> one of uh, Headstrong uh, crashing through a pet shop, and I just posted that recently to the Twitter feed at tfu underscore info. Please go check it out. Uh, I've never seen a Predacon happier than Headstrong crashing through a pet shop. It'd actually be kind of cool, come to think of it. So now, like the Throttlebots in their toy car uh, prisons, really, are being chased around the mall by the Predacons, and this would be a neat little uh, toy add in if Hasbro ever wanted to do updated Throttlebots, uh, have them come with a little pack in, you know micro machine of uh each of these cars i think that'd be a nice touch uh rap at he's looking for revenge on buster for what he did to the car wash of doom and uh while chasing buster around the mall buster drops a security gate on Ratbat. Goldbug needs food badly and by food we mean a battery so buster he has a boombox and presses the button to release the battery door only Boomboxes and cassette decks don't work like that. So, Buster, I don't know what you're doing. Um, in, in doing so, he accidentally releases the cassette door and then finds the button, quote-unquote, for the battery door. Uh, it's a nice subtle move here, though, by Booty Antsy to get away for Ratbat to further move along the story um, because the sound effects, and this is what I talk when I talk about good lettering, the sound effects show that Ratbat stowed away on that boombox. Buster takes the batteries from his radio, gets them into Goldbug, and flees in the car by himself, leaving Barnett and the other Throttlebots behind. He gets to Mount St. Hillary, and Goldbug and Buster, they send out a distress call into space. Now, you may recognize this distress call because it's the same one we saw back in Headmasters number four. So this is the message that the Autobots on the planet Nebulos hear that send them down to Earth at the end of the Headmasters series. Just then, Ratbat returns, crushes Goldbug in his hands, and the end. And so that wraps up this issue. You know what I found fun 
about about this one this issue the predacons look really cool just crashing through everything um what i found interesting about this issue is is one you know the throttle bots being put into these toy bodies just seems cool the, the cover kind of undersells how good the issue is because it's kind of it's kind of silly looking it's mayhem at the mall suburban shootout uh which wow that that <laughs> that bit of lettering didn't age well did it uh, it, it's it's pretty cool looking overall, uh, but it does undersell how how you know uh, well crafted the story is within here. And it's also interesting that it kind of forces a break here for us with the original uh, story arc because in issue thirty eight, which we'll talk about right now, uh, we move back into the headmaster's arc from the limited series, and so we'll talk Marvel US number thirty eight. Trial by, Fire, Trial by Fire, written by Bob Budiansky, pencils by Jose Delbo, inks by Dave Hunt, and uh, Dave Hunt's a newcomer, but he will be a fairly regular inker on the Marvel US run. Began working with Marvel in 1972, DC in 1975, and did a lot of work for both of the big two. Uh, his biggest contribution to comics was probably that he inked the first appearance of the Punisher back in Amazing Spider-Man number 129 did a lot of work on Amazing Spider-Man actually when I was looking him up. Uh, and so Dave Hunt, uh, we're going to be hearing that name uh, quite a bit uh, through the Marvel run. Now, colors once again by Nell Yamtov, letters by Bill Oakley, and edits by Don Daly. So as I mentioned, this is where the Headmaster story joins the main series, the Headmaster bots. They're reassembling Fortress Maximus into a larger configuration. Galen now becomes the head of Cerebros, who then becomes the head of Fortress Maximus. So it's interesting to see if there are um, whatever pre-toy notes they had for these figures for the limited series, they've now adjusted them somewhat to match uh, the main series and to match the toy line. So whereas Fort Max was kind of a regular-sized robot in, in the limited series, he is now a really big robot uh, once again. And this is in part to combat Scorponok. So on Earth, uh, we finally meet Spark Witwicky, and for some reason, he's blonde like Buster, even though like Sparkplug has dark hair. Spike had dark hair in the cartoon. Not sure why he's blonde when they've had three years of cartoon to work with and to uh, use his character models for the comic, but he is most certainly blonde Spike in this comic. Now, he arrives at the remains of the garage. Sparkplug, despite his heart condition, is quite okay being buried under a bunch of rubble. And Spike decides he's going to go find Buster. Spike makes it to Mount St. Hillary at the entrance, uh, and he finds a toy car. Uh, There's an interesting panel here where Spike's like, oh, he's too old to play with toys. Uh, yeah, a lot of us feeling really seen there, huh? The Headmaster Autobots arrive on Earth. They inspect the Mount St. Hillary site, and Spike is hiding. Hardhead finds the car and hands it off to Chrome, hands it off to Chrome Dome, who accesses the memories of Goldbug. This is kind of a neat little version. We're seeing his Nemo surgery here in G1, his ability to access memories. I don't know if James Roberts pulled that from this scene, but uh, the, here's like really the first inclination of Chrome Dome being able to read people's memories. Spike sees Buster. Uh, in the memories as they're projected and reveals himself to the Autobots. Galen, he doesn't care <laughs> to help Spike. He really doesn't want to help him. He's like, he's only going to help the Autobots. And uh, they plan to find the Ark that is no longer in Mount St. Hillary and leave. Shortly later, the Decepticons are in orbit in space. They land on Mount St. Hillary a little bit later. Spike, still there, uh, sees the Decepticons have come by, realizes that they're not good guys, 
and resends Goldbug's call, uh, the distress call, to alert the headmaster boss that something's going on back at Mount St. Hillary. Spike then gets noticed and uh, gets under attack by the Decepticons, and the Autobots arrive, and a fight breaks out. Spike heads deeper into Mount St. Hillary to hide. Scorponok follows and attacks. Fortress Maximus arrives as the fight continues on this narrow bridge over lava. Lord Zarek disengages from Scorponok, who's now in his scorpion mode, and uh, gives Spike chase. Galen follows. And then Scorponok shoots down the rock uh, ceiling inside of the volcano uh, and comes crashing down. Galen protects Spike with his armored body, but he is trapped. The ceiling is about to crumble, and Galen gives Spike his control helmet for Fort Max as Scorponok and Lord Zarek split the scene. Outside, the Decepticons are winning, but Fort Max arrives with Spike in control, and this drives the Decepticons out as Mount St. Hillary erupts, and Galen dies. And now Spike is the leader? That's pretty quick. Two issues. Not even one issue, really. His first issue, his first appearance, becomes the leader of this group of Autobots. Um, you know, I, I, I like to talk about playable moments, and... I think as a kid, this is one, when I got back in, this was totally a playable moment for me. Now, I didn't have Fort Max, but I did have Brainstorm and Hardhead. And uh, I did like the idea of, like, one guy passing off the uh, the helmet to the other in, in this, like, you know, grand sacrifice. Uh, so this one totally, totally reminded me of, of being a kid. And I, I forgot how much I liked this issue. And this one, again, I feel like the cover kind of undersells how good this particular story is. Um, this is definitely one of, one of my... I want to call it one of my favorite issues because I, I don't remember the details of the story so much, but I feel like this is one of my favorite uh, story points uh, within the Marvel series of Spike becoming the leader. Yeah, it happens a little quick. Um, I like the idea that we, we got rid of Galen for someone we knew, <laughs> um, which generally is not how I work, but uh, I, I think that in here it worked pretty well. And, and so this is a pretty cool book, and that leads us to issue 39 just after this. Hey, want to help out this podcast or the website tfu.info? There's a number of ways you can do it. Let me tell you how. You can help us directly by joining our Patreon and enrolling as a student at Transformers University. There, you'll get early access to the podcast as well as exclusive behind-the-scenes peaks and perks for as little as $1 a month. Sign up is quick and easy. Just swing on by to www.patreon.com slash tfuinfo. Another way you can help us is by using our Amazon link, www.tfu.info slash Amazon. Type that into your browser whenever you want to shop at Amazon and a portion of what you spend will be contributed back to us. It's that easy. Finally, you don't become the world's longest running transforming toy archive without some help from other fans. We're always on the hunt for photos of figures and accessories we're missing from our pages. If you'd like to contribute, go to tfu.info slash help for a list of what we need or send an email to info at tfu.info. tfu.info, the alpha trion and omega prime of transforming toys. Now, back to the show. All right, let's jump into Marvel US issue 39, the desert island of space. This one written by Bob Budiansky, pencils by Jose Delbo, inks by Dave Hunt, letters by Bill Oakley, colors by Nell Yamtov, and edits by Don Daly. Cover here by Delbo and Hunt features uh, Fort Max uh, taking a missile 
uh, through the shoulder. And, you know, as a kid, I always thought that was like a spear on a line uh, up until like I would say I was like a couple of days younger than I am right now. Uh, when I realized that this cover wasn't a spear on a line, but a long missile with a uh, motion trail behind it uh, drawn into it. And a uh, big title says Fort Max gets the shaft. It's a pretty uh, gruesome, gruesome image. It's got a lot of Transformer body horror on it. And I can remember, you know, as a, as a teenager in early, my early teens, when I was into comics, uh, when I was into like Marvel and image and some DC and Valiant and, and really being the superhero stuff, I always kept about five or six Transformers books on my wall uh, in those like, you know, black sleeves that you can pretty much hang with like one thumbnail. And uh, <laughs> um, this one was definitely one of the ones in them. I think it was this and like aerial bots over America and a couple others, but this one was definitely one of the ones I kept in that sleeve. So it, it's pretty weird to me that I never realized <laughs> it was not a, a spear on a string, but a, a missile with a motion trail behind it. And this story starts uh, with Buster as a prisoner on this Decepticon island. Uh, he's being used as a hostage to hold off the military, which is out at sea shortly uh, off the coast of this Decepticon island. And Barnett brings Throttlebot cars aboard one of those ships and uh, discusses his plans. Now back at a hotel, Spike reveals that he is Fortress, <laughs> Spike reveals that he is Fortress Maximus and uh, about the bonding uh, to his dad and, uh, does a little promo for target masters for spark plug uh firebolt in this scene uh called sparks still so we get a, a nice little roll call of all the uh target master partners cup has his doubts about spike as the autobots leave and head to the island the autobots they storm the beaches and buster hides as the firefight starts and realizes that the whole island is fake down to the plants uh, we find out that this island is actually on top of Decepticon base and the defenses unleash some fire on the Autobots. Uh, the target masters retreat because they're getting shot at in, in large quantities. And uh, just as the island starts to lift off, Fortress Maximus, uh, he hitches a ride on the side of the island. Uh, these defenses on the side of this uh, massive island and the base underneath it uh, flip him up and then gore him on that missile. Uh, damaged, he deploys Cerebros, who transforms uh, into his robot mode from his head mode, and Shockwave heads out to fight Cerebros. He shoots down Cerebros, and Cerebros deploys Spike uh, from his head mode to his human mode. And Spike radios Fortress Maximus's guns to shoot down Shockwave, who crashes to Earth and burns up in the atmosphere. So uh, is this the end of Shockwave? We'll have to keep reading to find out. But for all intents and purposes right now, Shockwave killed by Spike. Spike and Buster, they do the uh, the prison glass thing where they talk through the, the prison glass before the ship uh, exits to orbit. And Spike loses his brother as Buster is lost in space with the Decepticons. The Autobots regroup, and Spike has won over Cup and the crew of the uh, Headmaster Autobots and now is officially their leader. And that wraps up issue 39 of the Marvel U.S. book. And the only reason I'm doing three stories here is that this one was published at the end of the year in 1987. So we will wrap into um, 1988, starting with issue 40. Uh, when we get to 1988, we do have some U.K. stuff still to cover. 
But that's how they close out the year of 1987 with Spike as the leader of the Autobots, matching the toy again. Also, you know, neat here that they took these last two issues to really bring Fort Max in line with the toy that was on the shelf. That one, Spike was the head, and then two, that he was larger uh, by a lot than the other Autobots. So neat touches here by Budiansky to kind of bring the comic and the toys somewhat closer together. Thanks for listening to the show. Stick around to hear what's coming up next episode. But first, I want to fill you in on a few ways you can stay in touch with the show. Want to be on the show? Leave us a voicemail at 702-763-4838. That's 702-POD-4TFU. Or send an email to info at tfu.info. Be sure to catch us on Twitter at TFU underscore info and on Facebook and Instagram under the username TFU info, all one word. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash TFU info, where we post all of our podcasts plus special video segments, reviews, and live coverage of Transformers-related events such as New York Toy Fair and New York Comic Con. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit us at www.tfu.info, the world's longest-running transforming toy archive. And that will wrap up episode 115 of Transformers University. Next time on the show, we're heading back to Japan. Japan. To talk Headmaster's cartoon. Once again, we're talking episodes 7 through 9, subtitle versions, the dubbed versions, and what we will find in them, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't looked ahead. So we will find out once again. I am your host, Anthony Brucali, owner, operator, madman behind TFU.info. Till next time. See you.